Welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today we have with us Raymond Lambert. We're going to have a good show today. Um, somebody who uh, we have seen a lot of, and we'll be able to dissect that and talk about what's happening now and in the future. What's going on, my brother? How are you? I'm good, man. Happy to be here. Man, what you got on your face? Talk to me about those frames. Those things are fire right there, man. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you after the show. All right. but, uh... <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, we start each one of our shows by having our guests walk us through the arc of their careers. And you've done a little bit of everything, entrepreneurship, filmmaking, writing books, you name it. Talk to us about your career arc and what is it about filmmaking that keeps you engaged? Sure. So as you can see, obviously coming out of uh, Morehouse, I think I had corporate, uh, hmm. corporate, a life of corporate uh, in my, in my uh, future, or at least I had hoped so. And uh, I always say, like, I have not had a career. I've had, like, a series of jobs. So I've been fortunate enough to um, find things that were interesting and able to pursue them. So it's been this crazy arc that, uh, but at the root of it all, I think it's storytelling. So when I was involved in comedy, it was about, you know, providing this opportunity for folks to tell a story. Um, and writing, obviously, that's about storytelling. And then I sort of fell into documentary filmmaking um, telling the story about my journey. And uh, every since it's been about discovering stories that haven't been told and jumping uh, headfirst in and trying to get those stories uh, out to the general public. You know, I, I know something about Harold Washington um, because he is um, one of my good friends, David Axelrod's favorite politician. And when you say that, yeah. and then yeah. you know David Axelrod actually worked with Barack Obama, it should then <laughs> blow your mind and reframe your perspective. But yes. let's talk punch nine for Harold Washington. Many of my listeners may have never heard of Harold Washington. For people who are new to him, why'd you do a few film about him? And why does Harold Washington matter? So for me, and I'm not from Chicago, so I'm from Wilmington, Delaware, originally. So I knew of Harold Washington, and obviously uh, going to Morehouse, we knew of Maynard Jackson, I knew of Wilson Good. So I knew Black mayors. I, I sort of followed them in that, in that regard. But I think once I got here, he's held in such high regard that you know him, but you're like, okay, well, you know, it's like Michael Jordan almost to uh, the Chicago folks. But the, the more I researched it and the more I dug into it, the more I'm like, his impact was so prevalent globally and not to mention nationally and in Chicago. And I thought, like you just said, most people, you know, unless they're in it, really in it, they don't really know who this man was. And, and I think for me, too, at a time when uh, many of the things that we fought for and this progress that we have achieved is being threatened like at every, uh, at, at every turn, that his story would be, uh, could be a wake up call to that. This is not the first time these types of things have happened. And this is, this is how it can be, uh, he can be a model for how we can approach some of these things. So that's what sort of, um, sort, sort of made me dive in and say, I, I have to do this. What makes Chicago such a unique political animal? And why was this documentary Punch Nine for Harold Washington necessary in your view? So for me, Chicago is a, having lived in other places, it's a very different and unique animal. And, uh, you know, when you, you hear people say they play hardball here in politics, you're like, and I know I'm preaching to the choir with you, but <laughs> it really is, it really is hardball. I mean, we have I mean we're, we're talking about this in light of a race that's going on right now in Chicago. 
that yes, is hardball. Yes. Yes, it is. It <laughs> is. And we were in uh, we were in Houston. We were screening this for Mayor Turner, and he goes, "I don't know how you would operate with fifty aldermen, which basically is councilmen for us." And he has, I think, fifteen or sixteen. Mm-hmm. And it's it's uh, it's uh, all the different constituencies. And then I think the other thing is racially being then, and I think even now, the most segregated big city in America, you it's different than most other markets that I've seen big city black mayors, other than maybe LA, right? So his ability to build this coalition and to bring people together and be a people's mayor, I think is still unique and unprecedented. And at a time when we're facing some of the same things here in Chicago, it's going to be interesting to see how people, how people, uh, how this turns out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I know who I'm rocking with. I'll talk about it on a later <laughs> episode. Though. Uh, okay. So Harold Washington only served one term as mayor, but yes. what was his legacy and impact on the city of Chicago? And why is he such a massive figure in Chicago politics when he was only mayor for four years? You think yeah. about. I mean, to juxtapose that, you think about Marion Barry, who he was bigger than life. And there are black people today, like myself, who still won't let you talk trash about Marion Barry because he created a whole middle class. He did his thing. But he was a part of D.C. fabric for a long period of time. We're talking four years with Harold Washington. Yes, I, I think I think it's almost like an underdog story where he wasn't really given an opportunity to. uh No one thought he could become mayor. And then when he did. I think he delivered to people what he said he was going to do: racial equity, uh, women empowerment, diversity, inclusion. Seriously, everyone had a seat at the table, and I think ultimately uh, he was a different politician than than folks had seen before, and even the folks who didn't vote for him had to come along because much of their much of their uh, uh, interests were being served by him and it hadn't been served by previous administrations. So I think the idea of transparency, I think the idea of, again, diversity, equity, inclusion, everyone having a seat at the table are some of those things that um, he opened the door to that can never be closed again, despite, you know, whoever comes along behind or whoever has come behind him. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. What if I told you you could get a big snack almost anywhere for less than five bucks? Let's talk 7-Eleven's $3 big meal deal with seven rewards. Big meal deal is a big bite hot dog and a large, big gulp drink, and you won't find a better snack deal anywhere else. Here's what I put on my hot dog. Mustard. And that's it. That's it. I love a hot dog with mustard. Maybe if the chili, if I'm feeling it, if I'm feeling crazy, maybe a little chili, maybe a little nacho cheese, but I'm a hot dog and mustard guy. But if that sounds like your kind of bite, visit 7-Eleven, valid through 1725. 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early. Plus tax, applicable on large, big gulp only. Participating U.S. stores only. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. You know, one of the unique things about this movie, and I'll I'll get to it, but there's a generation of black mayors. Dinkins in New York, Bradley in L.A., Hatcher in Gary, Berrien in D.C., Harvey Gannon in Charlotte, Jackson in Atlanta, and Washington in Chicago, where we saw 
um, their rise. And then we saw, to steal a phrase from Van Jones, a white lash in response. What did that look like in Chicago? And how much of this movie is about white Chicago's response to Harold Washington? We pay uh, a significant portion of it to that. Um, And I think we opened the film with a Martin Luther King quote that talks about for every step forward, there tends to be this backlash from the white community against these advancements of the Negro he had in this quote. And I think you see that here for sure, because Chicago was sort of entrenched where some of the other markets where we've seen black mayors prevalent, either majority black city or, or white flight had already happened. And then it was sort of here you have it and take care of it. And um, but in Chicago, it was like no one was going anywhere. So we do show that we do. We do uh, give a little bit of history uh, back to Dr. King. when He came here to try to try to have some change and all the way through uh, with Harold. And uh, we make a link where we say because of Harold Washington, I think this is David Axelrod. Uh, he knocked down a lot of the doors where prior to that, Barack couldn't even have gone in those neighborhoods and that Harold was willing to do it and he did it effectively. So yeah, we we definitely uh, we definitely uh, talk about that. And Bernie Epton, I think I don't want to give so much away, but Bernie Epton became um, his chief competitor in that first term race, and he was a Republican in a city that's eighty percent Democrat yep. and hadn't had a Republican maybe since the twenties. Wow. So. Yeah, you know, you mentioned him, and we we talked about him a little bit, but it's impossible to talk about Harold Washington without talking about his influence on a young Barack Obama. How mm-hmm. much of the legacy of Harold Washington is in part um, other black mayors and other black politicians like Barack Obama? I think it's fair to say, and 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 obviously David talks about it, Valerie Jarrett talks about it, so many old timers talk about it, which is. But for Harold Washington, it's highly unlikely we would have had a Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, obviously some of that could just be how things lined up. But I think I think Barack Obama said I moved to Chicago in large part because of the work that Harold Washington was doing. And, and it was the most exciting thing going on at the time. And I think this is a wonderful place, uh, not really being a student of politics, but I can see how Chicago is a a wonderful place to learn, I mean, about the game of politics. And I think Harold was a was an excellent role model for him. And um, I think he followed it to a T. I have a theory about that. I think he I think he decided Harold had been a U.S. had been a state senator. Then he became a U.S. congressman. And then there was talk. And you probably know this better than me about him running for president because he because he was able to build that coalition. And I think that was Barack's pattern because he started state senator. Mm-hmm. He ran for U.S. congressman, but Bobby Rush, Troy, Bobby Rush spanked him, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that changed his whole plan, and and it ended up being, you know, obviously history. Uh, so, but anyway, yeah, yeah. So, so, as someone who knows and understands Chicago mayoral politics, can you help listeners understand what happened to Lori Lightfoot? And I know it's unfair to compare you, <sighs> sure. but. But how do the Lightfoot years stack up to Harold Washington's tenure? Oh man! And um, this is this is Raymond Lambert's opinion and my short, uh, real close study of the situation. I think I think a couple of things happened with Lori. I think I think one, 
and this is again not they still don't consider me a Chicagoan, so I almost don't feel worthy of talking about it. But I will say I felt like uh, it was just a perfect storm for her. It started with the pandemic, then I think you know this idea of were you born and raised in Chicago? I think some people, you know, tend to look at that. I don't think she had the public. Uh, the, this was her first job in public policy. I mean, as a as a politician, I think crime, whatever, however you much you think the mayor controls, became an issue. And I think Mayor Lightfoot's personality is uh, she's a get it done in your face. She's not bending. She's uh, I can't see her going out having a steak with everybody. You know what I'm saying? And and I think ultimately, folks were um, want to change, and it it it, uh, it it was almost like I, I don't know. I talked to even my daughters who were younger. They're like, we want a different man. We want we want change, and I couldn't really wrap my mind around. I felt like she does she deserve another term at least? How can you get this done in four years? But it's hard. Chicago's hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, oh, it's I, I'm personally learning more about Brandon Johnson up there. And you yeah, know, I, yeah. I, I want him to be the next mayor, but we'll, like I said, yeah. we'll talk about that later. But do you see any flashes of Harold Washington and Brandon Johnson? I do. I, there's no question that that's who he studies. There's no yeah. there's no mistaking that for sure. That's who he he uh, represents. And then, you know, I probably underestimated the, the role he played as a teacher and the teachers union and, and those folks getting behind him and a coalition of those people getting behind him. I really anticipated Chuy Garcia doing much better, especially given the Latino community makes up a third. And he's population. run 37 times for mayor of Chicago, it feels like. <laughs> and maybe that's what it was. Folks are like, yeah, we want change. We want something new. And I think that's probably what uh, Brandon's strong point is. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. 
So let's talk about this film and filmmaking in general. Yeah. I've been the subject of a documentary before that yeah, won a, an Emmy. Shout out to uh, Emily yeah. Harrell. And one of the things I never knew was like the difficulty in fundraising and yes. getting projects greenlit. Was this project hard to fundraise uh, oh for and get greenlit? And can you walk listeners through the process of getting projects sure. like this funded and executed? It's very, very difficult um, for, for a couple of reasons. I thought this one actually was going to be, I worked on my Angelo before this, which, which was hard, but it wasn't as difficult as this one. Um, I thought it was going to be easier um, to raise money, at least locally. But um, what I find with politicians in particular is, you know, what can you do for me kind of thing? It's like, okay, I, I loved Harold, but, you know, it's been 30 years. Why is this story important? Who cares outside of Chicago? So documentary filmmaking is just difficult in general. Um, and then this one, again, it's biography. We're in a time where logarithms are making choices on what's seen. You're, you know, young, current, whereas he's deceased, it's a biography, it's historical. So it's difficult. It's been six years and we're still raising money for this film. Um, and ultimately you're looking for a home for it. But but it's just it's just a process and a grind. It it, it um it's just hard. There's it, it, no way around it because because the market for it, trying to convince folks that hey, this is a story that will resonate with everybody, um, it, it's not an easy sell. So we're still looking for distribution, which I feel really confident that that we'll I, find a home for it. I feel oh, yeah. like you'll find a home for it. I think I think okay. that you can sell this movie and the movie can sell itself. So I think that okay. Hulu, if you listen in Netflix, if you listen, <laughs> Amazon, Somebody. Amazon. Yeah. I mean, if you want if you want to feel sexy, HBO. I mean, y'all 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 call them up and let's let's get this done. <laughs> Talk about what projects you have in the future. How can sure. people find you? How can people keep up with you? Okay, sure. Um, so we're at punch9movie.com for this for this film. Um, I have a, which I would love to talk to you about, uh, HBCU project idea that I would love to dig my heels into. Believe it or not, there's only been, I think, one documentary in the last two, 20, 25 years. Um, I think there's time for another one. Um, and from a perspective of those who have attended like yourself. Um, so I want to dig into that a little bit, dipping my feet back into comedy again um, with this all jokes aside dot org. Mm. Um, so, again, just just sort of trying to find creative projects that, you know, tell these stories and can have some impact and a call to action. I really want to work on things where I can sort of be a bullhorn to whatever the particular cause is and uh, try to inspire and engage folks in making change. My Morehouse brother, what year were you? It's a 87. Oh, yeah. That was a little bit before me. A little bit before you my time. Elementary school. <laughs> no, I, I was three. Okay. I didn't want to be specific, but I was three. My brother, Raymond Lambert, thank you for joining the Bakari Sellers podcast. Everybody, go check this out wherever you can. Say a prayer for my brother to get this distributed. Harold Washington is an icon, somebody I look up to. I'm glad you did the deep dive on him. And uh, if y'all got some dollars, throw him his way to make sure that his next project is even that much easier to make. Thank you for joining the show, my brother. Thank you, sir. Thank right. you very much. All right, All right. Peace. Peace.